Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is rumor control. Here are the facts. Hey there. I'm Bobby Roberts, co-host and sometimes every now and again producer of Full of Sith. And welcome to Rumor Control, the podcast all about spoilers, rumors, and speculation on The Force Awakens for those of you who have neither the patience, nor the self-control, nor the desire to wait until the movie actually plays before you find out what's in it. Now, I pass no judgment for this. I'm right down here with you underneath this Christmas tree, shaking the present to hear what ticks, but what I do want to remind you is that we might be afflicted with this terrible disease, but that doesn't mean we need to be contagious. The stuff you hear here, keep it here. Now, this episode of Rumor Control is going to be more speculative than anything, mostly because we don't really have any new news to report, and we probably won't until publishers start binding up novelizations and adaptations and they get those shipped to warehouses three or four weeks before street date, and those warehouse workers are like, whoops, I slipped and fell box cutter first on this palette of novelizations. And as I was trying to get up, my phone fell out of my pocket, and I must have accidentally took a bunch of pictures with my phone. You know, various pages and key passages, and then I accidentally butt-texted them to Twitter or something. Like, what are the odds? Oh, well, better tape up these boxes. Hum-dee-dum, dee-dum-dee-dum. Innocent whistling as I back away from the palette. See, usually by now, a screenplay or some storyboards would have slipped under the closing Lucasfilm door like Indiana Jones trying to steal a smiley little gold dude. But the window for those sorts of leaks isn't open for very long, and it's usually only open during production when scripts are flying around the set. But we're long past the point of production wrapping, and all we've gotten from the production is a shot list and some call sheets and pre-production artwork, all of which has essentially been disseminated by MakingStarWars.net after early days of info getting out through Indie Revolver and Latino Review as well. Now, call sheets and artwork isn't nothing. In fact, it's enough that industrious, busy little beavers like a guy calling himself Darth Lightly Bruise on the Jedi Council forums at TheForce.net can essentially do what I'm doing with this spinoff podcast, but with roughly 85% less words and 100% less annoying sound effects. And he got his efficient synopsis of the story not only shared by making Star Wars, but he had that synopsis picked up by outlets like Vulture and Slash Film. In fact, you know what? I told Bruce I was going to do this, and he didn't tell me not to, so f*** it. I'm just going to read it. I'm going to read you his synopsis. 
I mean, the synopsis is basically the reason I'm probably not going to need to do another one of these rumor controls again, period. Oh, and this is your cue if you've been happily listening along, thinking that this is just one real weird regular episode of Full of Sith. Uh, It isn't. This is rumor control. You're going to get spoiled. Now, if you don't want to... Hit the bricks, pal, and beat it, because you are going out. But if you do, listen along. A lightsaber tumbles out of space. It enters the atmosphere of a desert planet and plunges to the ground. This is the planet of Jakku. The lightsaber is retrieved by a mysterious hand and finds its way to a village elder codenamed the Vicar, played by Max von Sydow. The Vicar contacts the Resistance. An X-Wing pilot, Poe Dameron, played by Oscar Isaac, arrives with his droid, BB-8, to collect the lightsaber from the Vicar. The exchange happens in his hut. Suddenly, the sound of ships are heard in the night. The First Order are on to them. Poe Dameron places the lightsaber inside of BB-8 and orders him to flee. The perspective now shifts to a stormtrooper on a transport ship headed for the planet Jakku. This stormtrooper is Finn, played by John Boyega. They land, the hatch opens, and they immediately start taking fire from the villagers. The stormtroopers proceed to burn the village to the ground. They also torch Poe Dameron's X-Wing. They are ordered to round up the remaining villagers and massacre them. Finn lets some villagers go out of compassion. Finn's stormtrooper friend is killed in the assault, and he leaves a bloody handprint on Finn's helmet. A huge shuttle lands, and out of it emerges a dark lord in hooded robes and a helmet, wielding a red, cross-guarded lightsaber. This is Kylo Ren, played by Adam Driver. Kylo Ren proceeds to make mincemeat of some of the villagers who dare attack him. He confronts the vicar about the lightsaber. Kylo is unsatisfied with the ensuing conversation. He kills the vicar. Poe Dameron is captured by Kylo Ren's stormtroopers. He is taken aboard a transport and flown back to a First Order Star Destroyer. Finn also flies back to the Star Destroyer, but he is disturbed by his experience on the ground. Upon arrival, Finn feels ill. He takes off his helmet and vomits. A superior arrives and tells him that another superior wishes to see him. They are displeased with his conduct in the village, his sentimental weakness. This likely means death or worse for Finn. The perspective shifts again to a young woman on the desert planet of Jakku. This is Rey, played by Daisy Ridley. She flies her speeder across the desert and approaches a great ruin a crashed Star Destroyer from a titanic battle between the Empire and the Rebellion 30 years earlier. Rey enters the Destroyer and proceeds to explore it, expertly hopping over huge chasms, some of which house the remains of old TIE Fighters. 
She seems to be something of a skilled gymnast as she hops from precipice to precipice in the Star Destroyer's Great Husk. She scavenges a bit and decides to return home. In a rather evocative shot, she flies her speeder into the sunset. We now cut back to the First Order Star Destroyer hovering above the planet. Kylo Ren is torturing Poe Dameron. Ren is confident that he will get the information he needs. He emerges from the interrogation knowing that the lightsaber is now carried by a droid. Kylo Ren delivers this information to his superior, codenamed The General, played by Donald Gleason. The stormtrooper Finn decides to flee, but he can't fly. He needs a pilot. He sees Poe Dameron being escorted to the brig and decides to act. He breaks Poe free. They steal a TIE fighter from the hangar bay, and stormtroopers try to stop them. The TIE lifts away from its moorings, firing at troopers as it makes its way out and into space. TIE fighters follow, screaming behind them. After a short chase, Finn and Poe are shot down. Poe is unconscious at the controls, but before they crash, Finn manages to eject himself from the craft. He wakes up in the sand, back on Jakku. He looks around in a panic, sees the crashed TIE fighter not so far away, tries to get into it, but he can't. Finn sheds his stormtrooper armor and puts on a jacket that seemingly belongs to Poe Dameron. Finn, now disguised as a resistance pilot, heads away from the wreckage. A speeder zooms by him, blasting sand into his face. Finn follows it in the hope that it will lead him to the nearest settlement on this barren planet. Kylo Ren and the General watch Finn's hologram aboard the Star Destroyer. The General suggests to a chrome stormtrooper named Captain Phasma, played by Gwendolyn Christie, that she focus on hunting down the droid and retrieving the lightsaber. The perspective shifts again to the female scavenger, Rey. She eats alone in a makeshift dwelling in the belly of an old At-At walker. She hears a commotion outside and finds that a droid is in some trouble. She helps the droid, who turns out to be BB-8. After doing so, she decides to sell BB-8 at the nearest salvage station along with the rest of her loot. After some haggling, she's not able to part with the droid. She decides to keep it. Later on in the street, Rey is confronted by ruffians. Finn, emerging from his trek through the desert, enters the settlement. He quickly sees that Rey is in trouble. Being the compassionate type, he intervenes to help her. She doesn't need his help, of course, and doesn't trust Finn's intentions. She also doesn't believe that he's a resistance pilot. Rey and Finn make a run for it with BB-8 in tow. They are pursued by ruffians again who are perhaps fulfilling a bounty for the First Order. TIE fighters scream overhead and begin firing laser blasts at them. They frantically look for a ship and ultimately choose one just sitting there with his door open. It's the Millennium Falcon. Finn and Rey board the Falcon, get it off the ground. Rey flies expertly while Finn settles in at the guns. A few TIEs are in pursuit. Rey shouts at Finn to fire back at them. Rey flies the Falcon back towards a crashed Super Star Destroyer. In order to throw the ties off her back, she flies into the Star Destroyer from its rear rocket boosters, into the belly of a beast. She and the ties slalom through the crashed destroyer, but Rey knows these ruins. She leaves the ties behind. The Falcon jets off into space and loses its pursuers. We now cut to Kylo Ren, alone in his padded room aboard the orbiting Star Destroyer. He has received the news of the failed retrieval of the lightsaber. He speaks to himself, or rather, he speaks to the burned and twisted husk of a helmet, the helmet of Darth Vader. Rey and Finn are on the Millennium Falcon. Either via tractor beam or their own choice, they are swallowed up by a giant freighter in space. 
into the belly of another beast. The ship lands in a cavernous hangar bay. They open the door, and there at the bottom of the ramp is Han Solo and Chewbacca. Han orders the kids off his ship. They refuse. Han and Chewie enter the ship and confront Finn and Rey. BB-8 hides in the back. Suddenly, an alert pops up in hologram form. Two competing gangs of ruffians approach the Falcon, and they are temporarily united. Han asks the kids to hide in the storage bay. The gangs confront Han and Chewie, and they seem to be in trouble. Rey tries to help by releasing the ship's cargo, which appears to be livestock. This provides a distraction. But the released creatures grab Finn, and Rey is forced to chase them down and free Finn from the beast's clutches. A fight ensues between the heroes and the gangs. Rey almost single-handedly takes on the gangs using her skills with a staff. Han fires back, but Chewie is wounded in the fight. Finn helps Chewie and wins some respect from Han Solo in the process. They all rush back into the Falcon. Han gets behind the controls with Rey in the co-pilot's seat. When the Falcon won't start, Rey manages to tinker with it and fixes the ship, earning the stowaways more respect from Captain Solo. As Chewie recovers in the back, they jet out of the freighter, crashing into some of the livestock on the way out, but still managing to escape from the gangs. BB-8 determines that the time is right and reveals what he is carrying, a lightsaber. Han Solo recognizes it as belonging to Luke Skywalker. It's the one that Luke lost on Bespin in his battle against Darth Vader. Han suggests they go to see her. Her is Maz Kanata. She is a pirate at a secret location on Yavin 4, a jungle planet that was once the home of the Rebel Alliance and is now the main headquarters of the Resistance. They fly there, and Rey is awed by the lush jungle after so many years on a barren planet. They arrive at Maz Kanata's castle. It's a pirate hideout. A range of strange and unsavory characters, alien and human, lounge about inside. Han asks for Maz Kanata. An alien escorts them into a catacomb below the pirate castle. There, they meet the diminutive and wise pirate alien, Maz Kanata, played as a mocap character by Lupita Nyong'o. They show Maz the lightsaber, and she recognizes it immediately. She offers to show them a vision. Maz seemingly has force powers of some kind, and may have once been a Jedi or a Jedi apprentice. They all hold hands, and a vision washes over them. There is what looks to be a Jedi Academy and the dead bodies of Padawans are on the ground. Luke Skywalker shows up, too late. He sits by a funeral pyre with R2-D2. Luke leaves, and the droid is saddened by his master's departure. Cut to the hand that takes the lightsaber at the start of the film. It is now revealed to be the hand of Naka. Naka accidentally starts a grass fire after igniting the saber. Cut to a local trader making a sale to a wealthy man. Cut to a fierce battle. The lightsaber is being used by the clan against the Seven. The last man is down, and Kylo Ren approaches Rey. The Seven are looting, and we see Maz Kanata in the foreground, taking an object. The vision ends. Then Maz Kanata says something very heavy to Han, Rey, and Finn. It is possible, though unconfirmed, that Rey may learn she is the lost daughter of Han Solo. Maz Kanata presents the blue lightsaber to them again, Rey is revolted by it, while Finn is attracted to it. He takes it in his hands. Maz Kanata knows why the saber came to her. Rey is deeply troubled, rejecting both the lightsaber and the information that Maz has given them. She flees the pirate castle, 
and runs into the nearby jungle. We then cut to what seems to be a spy in the pirate castle. This is an emissary, Corsella, played by Maisie Richardson Sellers, that has been sent by Queen Leia, the leader of the Resistance, to track down the lightsaber. The mission is secret. Cut to BB-8, who finds Rey in the jungle, but suddenly, the First Order has ships overhead. They've been tracked. The perspective shifts to the villain, Kylo Ren, but this time he is in communication with a mysterious superior codenamed Uber, played by Andy Serkis. Uber orders that a superweapon, codenamed the Catapult, be used against the castle. Uber suggests to Kylo Ren that he not get sentimental as Kylo hesitates to fire. This suggests that Kylo Ren may have some relationship with Han Solo, or Rey, or both. Perhaps Kylo Ren is Han Solo's lost son, and Rey is his sister. Kylo Ren orders the pirate castle destroyed, but the heroes, including Maz Kanata, get out in time. The pirate castle blows up, and Leia's emissary is killed. Leia, Admiral Akbar, and her staff fear the worst. This alerts the resistance that something is wrong. Enemy fighters are flying overhead and landing. Captain Phasma, on Kylo Ren's orders, seizes Rey and takes her captive. BB-8 flees. Rey is escorted away from the planet on a First Order shuttle. A Resistance fighter arrives, piloted by Poe Dameron. He is now flying either a black commandeered special ops tie or a black X-Wing. He makes all the difference in driving the First Order villains away. A shuttle lands, and it is Queen Leia with C-3PO in tow. She meets with Han, and the meeting is awkward. It seems they haven't seen each other in quite a long while. Han, Chewie, Finn, Poe, and BB-8 go with Leia to the Resistance base, which seems to be on the other side of the jungle planet of Yavin 4. There, Leia plies Finn for information about the First Order, likely probing him for weaknesses. She may learn something very valuable from Finn, including the location of their base and their superweapon. This puts Resistance plans into motion to assault the First Order planet and the catapult superweapon it has housed there. Leia expresses pride in a new Resistance superweapon, codenamed the Sledgehammer. She seems quite militant. Leia also meets with Maz Kanata and receives Luke's blue lightsaber. She suggests that for the time being, the lightsaber go to Finn, and Leia complies. Maz knows that if it is in Finn's hands, it will find its way back to Rey when she is ready to accept her destiny. Han meets with Leia. Before leaving, presumably to go after Rey, Han tells Leia that he will hurry back. We cut to Rey, who is being interrogated by Kylo Ren in a First Order evil castle on their snowy, forested base planet. Kylo uses his force powers during the interrogation, but Rey seems to reverse the probe and learn something about Kylo and his plans. Rey informs Kylo that he will never be as powerful as Darth Vader. This infuriates Kylo, and he leaves the chamber to report his findings. But the interrogation was not fruitless for Kylo Ren. He learns that he no longer needs the lightsaber to fulfill his purpose. His purpose remains mysterious still, but it might have something to do with finding Luke Skywalker. Kylo Ren reports to Uber with this new information. Rey then somehow uses her force powers, likely a mind trick, to distract the snowtroopers guarding her cell. She escapes through a ventilation shaft and emerges out into the open where it is snowing. 
Han, Chewie, and Finn leave for the snowy, forested First Order planet on the Falcon, while Leia and Poe, with BB-8, prepare to assault the planet from space. Han crashes the Falcon on the planet by taking the ship into the atmosphere at very high speeds to jump past the First Order defenses. The crew of the Falcon comes out of hyperspace screaming as the ship cuts through trees before setting down. Han Solo hasn't had a good day, and Finn learns about Kylo Ren's past from Maz. Finn consoles Han Solo about that past. On their way to the First Order castle, Finn talks about his past to Han Solo and reveals a lot about himself from before he was a stormtrooper and why he became one. In the distance, they spot a figure, and it is Rey. Rey is moved. As an orphan, to have friends come back for her, that means a lot. Han, Finn, and Chewie came to rescue her, and this makes her reconsider her angry feelings at Maz Kanata's castle. During her interrogation, Rey may have retrieved vital information from Kylo Ren, which she may share with Han and the gang at this point. Armed with this information, the company then heads to the First Order castle. Han has a plan. They will destroy the catapult superweapon, or the shield that protects it, which is controlled from within the castle. We then cut to Kylo Ren, who walks into the cockpit of the crashed Falcon. He sits in the pilot's seat and has a moment. Is this his father's ship? Does he remember it? We then cut to the beginning of a great, climactic space battle above the snowy, forested First Order planet. The Resistance is throwing everything it has at the home base of the enemy. X-Wings and TIE Fighters face off in space and in the atmosphere of the planet. Queen Leia uses the Resistance superweapon, the Sledgehammer, to crush through Star Destroyers as if they were Tinker Toys. Down on the planet, the General orders the firing of the Array a defensive superweapon that will take out all fighters in space around the planet. The general's subordinates refuse to carry out his order because the weapon would also destroy their own fleet, and so the general fires the superweapon himself. In that moment, all the ships in space are destroyed, every single one. The general is practical and cold-hearted. He obliterates his own men and their TIE fighters to take out the resistance ships and secure the safety of their catapult superweapon. Queen Leia's own superweapon, the Sledgehammer, is destroyed. It falls into the atmosphere of the planet and breaks apart. At this moment, Queen Leia feels all is lost and calls for a total retreat of resistance forces. Han Solo and the others are presumed dead. Meanwhile, on the ground, Han and his crew witness the Sledgehammer's destruction and know they have to take matters into their own hands. Thankfully, Poe Dameron, BB-8, and his X-Wing squadron survive the attack because they were low enough in the planet's atmosphere to evade it. Moments later, Poe, from the sky, discovers Han Solo and the gang on the planet's surface. Han, Finn, Rey, and Chewie enter the First Order castle. The security codes have changed. Han Solo encourages Finn to take the lightsaber and use it to destroy a shield generator protecting the catapult. Finn runs off to do so. Han and the gang place charges around the castle. Kylo Ren arrives. The gang is cornered. There's no way out. Han Solo decides to personally confront Kylo Ren as a means of protecting the others. Finn, Rey, and Chewbacca stop in their tracks. They watch as Han Solo speaks to Kylo Ren. Han may try to reason with him, talk him off the ledge, but suddenly, Kylo Ren silences the conversation forever. Leia senses Han's death through the Force. Chewbacca lets out a barrage of angry roars and laser blasts. At that point, things start to collapse and explode around them, presumably as the charges that were earlier set do their job. 
There is an explosion, and the rest of the gang is forced to flee, leaving Han's body behind as it is immolated in the blasts. It seems that the explosions take out whatever shield may have been protecting the catapult. This allows Poe Dameron and his X-Wing squadron to swoop in and destroy the superweapon. The general watches in horror as it all collapses. He checks in one last time with the mysterious superior Uber to tell him that the mission has failed. Kylo Ren flees into the forest. Finn and Rey follow him while Chewbacca runs back to the Falcon. Finn confronts Kylo Ren and holds his own in a lightsaber fight. However, over time, he is bested by Kylo's experience with a lightsaber. Finn is on the ground, preparing to die. Rey arrives. To save her friend and avenge Han Solo's death, she takes Luke's lightsaber and attacks Kylo Ren. But on the cliff edge, the ground falls away behind Rey and Finn as all the charges they set on the castle have made the area unstable. The heroes find themselves hanging from a precipice. Kylo Ren exits the scene. Just as their doom seems imminent, Chewbacca arrives on a repaired Millennium Falcon. He collects Rey and Finn and jets off into space. The First Order has been defeated, but Kylo Ren and Uber retreat to lick their wounds and plot their next move. Finn, Rey, Chewie, Poe, and BB-8 all return to the Resistance base on Yavin 4 as heroes, but the tragic loss of Han Solo makes the celebration bittersweet. Leia tells Poe Dameron his squadron is all that survived the assault. We follow Rey as she says goodbye to the important players. Rey makes a special stop to say goodbye to Finn in the medical bay. Meanwhile, BB-8, R2-D2, and C-3PO decode a puzzle, seemingly revealing Luke Skywalker's location a watery planet full of rocky islands. Leia is elated that her long-lost brother is found and suggests that Rey be the first to meet him. Leia and Rey have a special goodbye in which she bids Rey a fond farewell. Rey, Chewbacca, and BB-8 get into the Falcon and take off. They fly away to find Luke. The Falcon lands on a rocky island in the middle of the sea. Ray walks up a set of old stone steps carved into the mountain. She comes up to a hooded figure in a stone hut and puts the lightsaber in his hand. It's Luke Skywalker. Now, if you're a listener, you knew a lot of that. And having laid it out like that in order, it gives you a decent idea of the plot points, if not any real idea as to how the characters are going to play the moments in between those plot points. The tone of the film, the music that plays, the action as it explodes across the screen. It's just the plot points and bare hints of character motivation based on how that story progresses. Now, that can be misleading. For example... Here's an accurate description of Star Wars based on one character's arc without any context when it comes to dialogue, performance, and personality. You ready? 
A lonely kid on a dirtball planet decides to leave with a crazy old man who lies to him about his dad shortly before seeing the burnt corpses of his aunt and uncle before flying into the debris of a completely destroyed and populated planet and then getting sucked into a giant battle station, almost dying in a trash pit, escaping just in time to watch the crazy old man get cut in half by his own dad, who he doesn't even know, only to get drafted into a last ditch battle, reunited with his best friend who dies screaming in his ear after his dad blows him up. That movie sounds harsh, but it was, in 1977, considered one of the most purely fun movies ever made in the history of cinema. What I described was, for a time, the biggest crowd pleaser since Melier crashed a rocket into the moon's eye. But Ethan Anderton of Slashfilm read that synopsis that I just read you, and Anderton is apparently in the know enough to go on the record as saying about 90% of that synopsis is correct. 90% is a pretty damn good number for never actually having a script or storyboards get out. 90% is a lot better than I'd have thought considering there are still some plot points that are pretty murky, some character motivations that have more question marks and curly cues than Qbert getting hit in the head, and some speculation is trying to fill in the gaps like Bondo slathered on a demolition derby Datsun B210. That speculation hasn't always been on point either. Remember when Kylo Ren was a crazed evil cyborg? Remember when Luke Skywalker was a crazed evil cyborg? Remember when billionaire Ross Webster's sister Vera was a crazed evil cyborg at the end of Superman 3? Yo, that was scary as a little kid, man. I didn't like go near my Atari for a month after that because I was like, what if I spill yogurt on it or something and it shoots out snaky little cables and stuff and it makes me a freaky robo mutant thing and then Superman's got to blow up a mountain to bury me alive. That's the kind of stuff you worry about when you're a kid. And then you grow up and you worry about much more serious things like plot details for a family film that won't come out for another seven months, so much so that you end up recording a podcast for the tens of thousands of people who are just as worried as you are. To quote Californian philosophers Blink-182, I guess this is growing up. So anyway, people took Anderton at his word because Slashfilm isn't the kind of outlet to just lie or front about that sort of stuff. So they asked him what was in the 10% that the synopsis got wrong. And Anderton said he's not looking to spoil the movie, although he had just shared a document that he said gets 90% of the movie's plot more or less correct. So, But he said he's not going to just come out and say it. He is not going to divulge spoilers. And aside from stuff like how the hell does Poe Dameron get off Jakku after he crashes the TIE fighter and how the hell does Maz know any of this stuff, a little Twitter back and forth revealed that Han's death isn't one of those false details and that Luke's limited appearance wasn't misconstrued or misreported, which leaves... Ray's parentage as the biggest question mark left standing. And then, right on cue, Making Star Wars reveals the contents of a scene that would slot into the synopsis just before the flashback vision with Maz Kanata, where Han Solo pulls Ray aside and they have a chat about how she handled herself with the pirates and how she's gonna have to handle herself at Maz's castle, which seems to be a hive of some wretched villainous sort. And then, to make sure she takes care of herself and Finn, he gives her his blaster. Now, keep in mind, Kathleen Kennedy has said this will be a generational story, meaning there will be Skywalker offspring in this film, and the way that synopsis plays out seems to lean pretty heavily towards the idea that Kylo Ren is Han and Leia's wayward son. I'm just giving you time for that song by Kansas to run through your head a little. Don't you cry. 
All right, so Kylo Ren is probably Solo's kid. Thanks to Leia, Ren's got a direct line back to Vader, who he has an unhealthy crush on. You thought your sister's obsession with Tupac was weird. And Kylo and Rey seem to have a connection too, what with Kylo showing up in the flashback and Kylo kidnapping Rey because of that connection and Rey calling him out on how much of a poser he is. So, I mean, let's look at the circumstantial evidence here. She picks out the Falcon out of all the ships and jacks it. She knows how to fly it brilliantly. She's probably related to Kylo Ren somehow. Han is a mentor figure to her. Han gives her his gun. Han sacrifices himself to ensure that she gets away. She flies the Falcon with Chewie at the end of the film. Now that all sounds a hell of a lot like she's Han's kid, right? I mean, it makes sense. She's got his gun. She's got his skill. She's got his ship and his co-pilot. If we're playing Connect the Dots, that's a ton of dots. But Connect the Dots works with plot. It doesn't work quite as well when it comes to characterization sometimes. The space is between those dots. Now, Bruce's document suggests that Han and Leia are Rey's parents as well as Ren. But what if that's the part of the 10% that's wrong? Because if she's Han and Leia's kid, why does it seem like there's no real connection between Leia and her daughter? Why is Han paying just as much attention to Finn? Why is the only emotional beat between Han and Rey coming just before and just after the flashback sequence, neither interaction of which is all that strong? Why has she been stranded on Jakku for God knows how long, and why doesn't she seem to understand any of what's going on until Maz hits her with the vision at Luke's temple? What if she's Luke's kid instead? Now, remember that can of Bondo and the B-210 I was talking about earlier? Let's see if we can make this thing look like a DeLorean by the time we're done here. Now, if she's Luke's daughter. Then there's a reason she's on Jakku. She's hidden, like Luke was from Vader. Now, granted, Han and Leia could have done that as well, but could they have hidden her from herself? Luke could have done that. Consider how she reacts not only to the lightsaber, but to Maz's vision. It sure seems like a bunch of suppressed memories are flooding back. It seems like Luke could have maybe put the Professor X-style force whammy on her memory. Hell of a lot better than when Ben and Yoda didn't change his name and then stuck him on the same planet his dad grew up on. And if those memories included Han as her dad and Han had just helped her out of a couple jams and showed a mentor-like affection for her, why would she then run away from him once she saw the vision? But if she just remembered that she was the daughter of a Jedi and a Jedi who felt he failed so badly, was so devastated by the attack on his temple that he needed to exile himself to keep his family safe? Maybe the weight of those memories, of that burden, would cause her to freak out a smidge. And wouldn't the devastation hitting Luke on that personal a level, that he failed his nephew so badly it not only cost him his temple, but it almost cost him his daughter, wouldn't that be a pretty good reason to go into self-imposed exile? It's not like Luke hasn't been shown wishing to do that in previous movies, wishing to split himself off from his loved ones to ensure that nothing bad happens to them. I'm endangering the mission. I shouldn't have come. I mean, that was basically his secondary motivation in Jedi. Plus, wouldn't Luke's absence suddenly make a hell of a lot more sense and play like the payoff it seems to be if it wasn't just Rey returning his saber to him as a means to accept her destiny, but it was Rey returning to train under the tutelage of her father? that she accepts her destiny when she picks up the saber after Finn drops it, that flying to Luke isn't just a student finding a teacher, but a family finally reuniting, that Kylo kidnaps her and brushes off the saber like so much dirt on Jay-Z's shoulder because he knows he's got the best bait possible, Skywalker's daughter. 
And wouldn't it show a ton of character progression that Luke, when placed in a similar situation at the end of Empire, doesn't come out of exile and throw himself headlong into a trap, but instead trusts in the Force that things will play out the way they need to? And wouldn't it make Han Solo's sacrifice actually mean more if Rey wasn't his daughter, that he's trying to save them, that he's mentoring them, and standing up to Kylo Ren as a means to make up for whatever it was that went so wrong that his kid became that thing? In fact, looking back at that Connect the Dots list, doesn't it seem to be more that Han Solo isn't Rey's dad, but is more like the Obi-Wan Kenobi of this film? Possibly. He's a crafty old man a mentor figure, hands down an important weapon to a worthy hero. He's responsible for our villain and self-sacrifices at the hands of that villain to ensure our heroes complete their mission. Which would make Luke more like Yoda, the most powerful force user that we know of, hiding out in seclusion for inscrutable reasons on the surface, waiting for an apprentice to come to him and be trained. Man, look at how much characterization is filled in for both Han and Luke without Luke even needing to be in the movie for longer than two minutes total, counting the flashback, if Rey is his daughter. And that's not even getting into the idea that Kira wasn't just a code name. Uh, uh. So, on the one hand, Rey's got Han's gun and Han's ship, but she's also got Luke's saber, and she's going to Luke's island. Rey pilots the Falcon like she inherited the ability. But she also pilots it like she's the daughter of the best bush pilot in the Outer Rim, who was the son of the best pilot in the Republic Army. Like, you know what this is like? This is like trying to play a game of Clue, but you don't have all the game pieces, and the little manila folder that tells you who did it is missing. So you're like, I have Ray on the Falcon with Han's blaster. Uh, pff, uh give me a sec. I can't find the folder. I have Ray on the island with Luke Saber. Look, I said, <laughs> hold on a sec. I... Could you check under the couch cushion? Because maybe it slipped down. Man, this game is stupid. How come I don't get to be the thimble? That's not... It's not even the same... So this is what happens when you don't use Lucas's treatments. I should get the thimble if I want the thimble. Okay. You win. I mean, there's a lot more interaction between Ray and Han than there is Ray and Luke. But that's because Luke's not really in the movie. Now, is that interaction a sign of parentage? or proximity? Could they even be using that inkling to lead audiences down the one direction like, oh, I bet Han's her dad, only to swerve it on you with 15 minutes to go like, oh man, she's Luke's kid, what? And honestly, part of what makes this even harder is that regardless who her dad is, she'll still end up being related to a Skywalker. Either Luke is her dad or Leia is her mom. Unless she's just Ray Random, some force user from a backwater planet who has nothing to do with anything until some soccer ball droid rolled up on her one day and she got pulled into a grand adventure with a stormtrooper, a hotshot pilot, and a grumpy old man in his favorite walking carpet. So there we are. 90% of what you've heard in this show is, apparently, going to be in the movie in some form. And 10% isn't. And we don't know what that 10% is. And one of the things that could be in that 10% might end up being the key to a large number of character and emotional beats running through the film. And it looks like we're going to have to wait until someone slips on that palette of novelizations a few weeks before the release. Or maybe we'll wait until the tweets start pouring in from the advanced screenings. Or maybe, and <laughs> I know this is a stretch considering why we're all here, underneath this Christmas tree, shaking the present harder than we've ever shaken it and hearing the lub dub that's speeding up, heating up, making the present almost too hot to touch. 
but maybe we don't actually find out until December 17th when we're at our preview screening or our midnight show and the movie's playing in front of us. Because it's getting pretty damn close, you guys. I know you can feel it. And now you've got a little extra mystery just tugging on your heartstrings even harder than you'd thought. We're almost there. We're almost there. Just don't forget to take Gold Leader's advice and loosen up. You don't want to strain something. December is on its way, and then after that is Rogue One, and then after that is Ryan Johnson's Episode 8, and so on and so forth. We are standing on the verge of Star Wars as far as the eye can see. But it's only going to be as fun as you let it be. So let it be. I'm Bobby Roberts. That was Rumor Control. Those are the facts. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.